Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, sir. Anybody excited this morning? Come on. All right. I think God already did what he had to do, so just hug the person next to you. Tell them I love you. Be out. We'll see you next week. Praise God. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, right. Sit down. Let's get ready for the word. You ain't getting off that easy. Come on. Come on, press in. Let's grab a seat. Let's sit down. Let's get everybody comfortable. Amen. We're comfortable. Good. All the children are gone. We can talk about them now. All right, let's stand real quick. I want to pray a scripture over you this morning as, as a prayer. I want to pray a scripture. So let's, let's just bow our heads for, the, for, for this word from Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. To him who is able to do immeasurably more. That's probably my favorite word in all of Scripture. Immeasurably more. You know what immeasurably means? More than can be measured. Okay, I thought you'd be a little more excited about that. More, God, to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. How many of you want to be down with that? Immeasure, more than, all right, forget it, I'm with that, we'll move on. All right, we've been preaching for the last few weeks in this series, This I Know, and we've been quoting this scripture over and over again. We are the light of the world, right? And, and I don't know about you, but that's been kind of getting inside me. Amen. How many of you know, if I preach it, I got to live it, right? That's the, it, it's easy for you. You can say, oh, I didn't hear that. You can say, I must have been at the bathroom when he said that. I must have been checking my Twitter. I must, you know, but I, I wrote it. You know, I have to read it. I study it. And then I'm, I'm recorded on the internet saying it. So I, I'm, I'm held accountable to what I'm preaching, amen? So, so this word, we are the light of the world. I've been asking God, God, allow me opportunities to shine. I'm your light. So allow me opportunities to shine. And how I many you know that's a dangerous prayer? 
I mean, lately it's been amazing. I've been talking to people at work. People have been asking me questions. I, I, like, like many of you, I take the, tr the bus to the train, to another train. So I, I work in the city, and one, one of my, the places that I work on is a hospital. So, I mean, I see thousands of people, and I ask God, God, give me an opportunity to shine. If I'm your light, then let me shine, amen? Because you, you, you have to know I'm more than the pastor of this church. I'm a child of God. I'm a minister of reconciliation just like each and every one of you. See, on Sundays, you guys get to come and sit, and I got to kind of work. I got to do what God called me to do, and I love doing this. But when we leave here, we're exactly the same, right? We're all ministers of reconciliation. We are all the light of the world. And so I've been asking God, man, you know, because people are so lost. They're so hungry. People are so, they, 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 want, they want to know about God. They want, they want to be spiritual. They want to have a connection with God. They, just this week, I was standing at the train station. I had missed the bus, and I was about to catch a cab. And so I told the guy, you know, go get the cab. And he went to go get the cab. And, and I hear this man that's usually, he's usually on this corner, Dyer Avenue. He's usually on this corner. He's selling incense and all kinds of stuff, right? He's in a wheelchair. And I hear him talking to this young guy, this young, young man, and he's, and he's talking, like he's just talking about God. He's just ministering to this guy. And I'm getting excited. I'm like, whoa, man, this is, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm all in their business. I'm leaning. You know, the cab is that way, but I keep leaning backwards. Like, like I want to hear everything that's going on, right? And, and, and it's beautiful, man. He's like Matthew 1 this and John 6 that. And, and he's dropping scripture on him. And I'm like, and I was just about ready to give him the, yo, you're my man. You know, that's why you're my man. I was just about ready to give him that well done, man. Good, good dude. You know, you're ministering to a young brother on the street here. That's awesome. When, as I'm, I, I was just about there, I hear him say, yeah, man, there was no crucifixion. And I said, he said, do you think a loving God would send his son to commit suicide? Come on. That's what the man wants you to believe. I said, oh, man, I was broken. I was so disappointed. My cab was there already. I had to leave. I know this wasn't a, a time for me to get into a debate and an argument with the guy. Cause, but from there, it just went, it went downhill, man. He says, you know, that's not what the scriptures say. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden, from the John this and the Matthew that, he's cursing. And, and I'm like, wow, how, how do we get this? How do, you, how do you get to the point? I mean, I, you know, I started thinking, how can someone talk about the scriptures and, and not even know what they mean? How can someone read the scriptures and then you know, when, when I looked on the table there, there's the Bible and there's also the Koran. And so he's just spewing from both books. And I mean, you know, you can't have God and add other stuff. Amen. But we've already been to that. I'm not going to go to that. But as, as we start this new year, church, my goal for us, as we start the new year, we're going to go through the Gospels. Amen? And we're good, because we need, we need to be Bible literate people. Amen? There's nothing worse than like an ignorant Christian that's dropping stuff he don't know what he's talking about. Right? Doesn't that annoy you? That annoy I want to slap people in the train sometimes. Like, shut Jesus didn't say that. That's Google. Jesus, like, come on, man. So th there's nothing worse than that. I, I said, I'd rather you tell people you're not a Christian. Guy out there and just, 
just float, be you, you know, but, but don't, don't play the Christian card because you don't know what you're talking about, right? And so I, we, we need my goal for this year. I want us to go through the Gospels. I want us to really be Bible literate, amen? So we're going to start the new year with a fast like we normally do. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we get a little closer. But I, I need us to, uh, to know the Word and understand it more than you do now. That, that's, all we, we, that's, that's a good goal, amen? We need to know more than we do now. Know more about the Word. And so for today, I had started this study a while back, and there's, there's something really cool that I came across in these studies that I kind of wanted to drop on you this, this, uh, this morning, afternoon. Most of you know there's four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? If you don't know, now you know. Amen. These Gospels were written at different times, different accounts by different men. Right? And, and, and they, were, you know, they weren't all written together. They didn't sit in a room and write it all together. It was written at different places. And so there's some stories that Matthew talks about that John doesn't talk about. There's some things that, that, that Mark might mention that John doesn't even touch. Right? So there's stories that are in each gospel, not necessarily in all of them. It's not the same thing written four different times. Amen? We got that so far? So I was looking at, in particular, the miracles. All right, it's going to get warm in here, so get ready. I was looking at the miracles that Jesus performed, not only because obviously, you know, they're important because they prove that he was who he, who he was and who he says he is, right? There's like hundreds of, of prophetic words in the Old Testament that, that prove, you know, that, that said the Messiah, when he comes, he's going to do this. And he's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. And so it's important that when we see, when we read the Gospels, we see Jesus did this and this and this, thus making him the Messiah. That's how we know he was the Messiah and not just some crazy person. So I was looking at the miracles that, that, that are recorded in the Gospels, and, and, and I started thinking, you know, if the Bible is the inspired word of God, right? John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word is God. It, I mean, you, you ever looked at it that way? The Word of God is God's Word, right? And so I, I was thinking about that, and I said, I would have to imagine that the layout and the content of the Gospels was purposeful, and that would mean that God had written to us what He wanted us to know, amen? Are we, are we agreement so far? If God is the Word, and he, the Word of God is the inspired Word of God, and so I would imagine everything in the Word, God purposed for us to, to have in there, to know, to study, to memorize, to, 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 to eat. I would also venture to say that if it's in there, if it's repeated, it's because He really wanted us to know something. Amen? How I many you tell your kids the same thing again and again? And over, and, and how many of us, we admit, we need to be, have repetition, amen? If we just told us one time, we probably wouldn't do it, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of getting to the point where if God repeats it, then it's probably for our benefit, amen? Okay, so when we look at the Gospels, you find there are about 37 miracles that Jesus performed. Now, in these 37 miracles, and, and that doesn't mean that that's all Jesus did. John, John wrote that Jesus did so many things that if we were to write everything that he wrote, we, you know, we'd still be writing. So that, that's not the only things he did, but this is what's recorded in our Gospels. So did you know that out of the 37 miracles, 
If you look through the Gospels, there are only two miracles that are recorded in all four Gospels. Are you interested? Right? Does anybody know what those two miracles are that are mentioned in every, all four Gospels? Extra bonus question. Anybody? Okay, but after today, you're going to know. Amen? And so we're already achieving part of our goal. We're learning some stuff in the Word. I asked a couple of people because I'm interested in what people would think. Like, and some people uh, answered me. Well, I mean, I never thought about that. I said, I know. That's why I'm asking you. What, what two miracles are talked about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And so some people say, well, it has to be the Lazarus jump off. That was crazy. Right? Yeah, I know that miracle, right? Lazarus was like Jesus' boy. If, 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 if it was in the 80s, you know, he'd be in his crew. He'd be rocking his sweatshirt with his name. You know, that was his boy. Right? If there were bikers, they'd have the same jackets on. You know, that was, Lazarus was his man. And, and they found out Lazarus was sick, and they told Jesus, Jesus, your, your man Lazarus is he's sick. And, and Jesus waited two more days, and when he finally got there, long story short, he had been dead four days. So the man, and, and, and we believe Jesus waited four days because the Hebrews believed that for three days when somebody dies, his spirit, his soul is still hovering there. So Jesus said, I'll wait four days so that you don't think all your superstitions are out. And after four days, you, you, you know the story, he, he gets there and everybody's mad at Jesus. And well, if you had been here, that's your boy, if you loved him so much. If you had been here, maybe, you know, but now he's dead. And, and he says, oh, come on, man. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. Right? And you know, and this, he comes out in his mummy clothes. You know, he's all wrapped up. And, and, and people were like, he's going to stink. He's been there for, but it's an amazing miracle, right? He's been there for four days. But guess what? Did that miracle make it into all four Gospels? What do you think? Only John tells us that story. Like if you would, I would write about that story, right? Only John tells us the story of Lazarus. Some people said, well, it was probably the water to wine thing. Because people are interested in that miracle. Right? I mean, you know that miracle. We was at a, he was at a wedding with his mom and, and the disciples, and they were cooling out, whatever. And there must have been a lot of, you know those drunk uncles that we have? That they, like, kill all the liquor at a wedding, right? And so there must have been some of those, and, and so the wine was gone. And so Mary comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, there's no more wine. And, and in that time, that would have been a very big embarrassment to the family, to the groom. It means that they didn't have enough money, or they didn't prepare right, or whatever. It would have been a real big deal and a real disgrace on that family so he says jesus there's no they ran out of wine and jesus said my lady why are you involved me in these matters that's exactly what the word says he said, why do you involve me in these matters it's not my time why are you making me do this and she said oh okay just whatever jesus tells you to do do and so jesus said, okay fill those vats with water and blah 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 and you know to make a long story short jesus made like jugs and jugs of jesus juice it was it was amazing. The people were tasting it and saying, wow, normally in weddings they save the best, they, you know, they save the best wine or whatever, but you're serving the best wine now. This is amazing. So, but, but you think that made it in all four Gospels? One Gospel talks about that. Man, and that was his first miracle. Only one gospel talks about that. How about the time when the disciples were on the boat? This was crazy. They were on a boat with Jesus. He was sleeping, and all of a sudden a storm hits, and the, and the boat is, is, you know, flipping. And, you know, in those times they were little dinghy boats, and it's not like a carnival cruise ship or nothing. They, and so the storm is, and they're like, and they're freaking out, and Jesus is just sleeping, snoring. You know, he's got a little drool hitting the road. And, 
and, and they're stressing. They're like, and they finally can't take it anymore. And they wake him up. Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And he gets up and he takes the morcos out of his eyes. And he says, guys, why, why are you such punks? Really, that's what he says. He says, why, why, why are you so, you know, where's your little faith, man? And so then he speaks to the winds and he speaks to the thing and to the waters and everything just calms down. And his disciples say, who is this man that he speaks to the waves and they stop and he speaks to the winds and they listen. Do you think that miracle made it into all four gospels? Close, it made it into three of the gospels. Three, three people were impacted by that. Those, they didn't have drama mean or nothing back there. These people were sick that day. It was bad. Three gospel writers tell that story, but not all four. Okay, how about the other time when Jesus told the disciples, this was a good one. Jesus told the disciples, go to the other side of the lake. I'm going to meet you there. And then, and so they went, and then in the middle, it says on the, like the fourth watch of the night. So in the middle of the night, they, they, they're in the boat, and they're getting to the other side. And all of a sudden, they see somebody just chilling, walking across the lake. And they're like, oh, my God, it's a ghost, it's a spirit. And, and the disciples said, I told you you shouldn't have watched Paranormal Activity. Now you're going to start seeing things. I told you you shouldn't be watching those shows. And, and they're flipping out. And then, and then they realize it was Jesus. So Jesus, that you? And that was like a whole other miracle. But he was just walking, getting walking on the lake. That's like incredible. Do you think that made it to all four Gospels? Nope. Close three of the Gospels. So what could be more amazing than these things? What could be more amazing than raising the dead, than, than opening blind eyes, than speaking to the winds, than walking on the water? If not those, what could God have wanted us to hear about four times? Are you interested? Okay, join us next week for this other part. <laughs> Worship team, come up. Ha! One of the miracles is obvious. It's told in all four Gospels. This is an obvious one. If you had thought about it, you would, you would have known this one. What makes a gospel? A gospel is a good news, right? So, so that means the wages of sin is death, man. Sin, sin separated us from God. Sin had to be atoned for. Jesus came that he might pay for that sin. <coughs> and so he came, he lived, he died. And this miracle is recorded on all four gospels. He rose again. Amen. The resurrection is talked about. It wouldn't be a gospel if it didn't tell us about the resurrection. So the resurrection is included. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20. It wouldn't be a gospel, good news, without that. Every one of those gospels includes the story of the empty tomb. The story of the rock that was rolled away. The empty tomb where death was defeated. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Okay, so, but there's also one other miracle that appears in all four Gospels. Anybody figured it out yet? Go ahead. We got Bible scholars up in this corner. Amen. The only other miracle told by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding. So, so why would God say, I'm only going to tell you this four times? Right? I, I, you have to, you, the, the, am I the only like, crazy person that thinks about these things at night? Why would God 
tell us that four times. Why would this story be included? I, I would think if the word has it in there four times, it has to be something in there for you and me today. Amen? You ready? So let's look at the story and maybe reflect a little on why this would be the only other miracle of Jesus told in all four Gospels. Okay, so the story starts pretty tragically. Jesus hears that his close friend, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. And the, the, the disciples have to go to the prison, get the body, imagine, get this body and put it in a tomb. And so they're coming together now, and, and you can imagine, Jesus was fully man and fully God. So like it tells us, he wept, right? So he has emotions. So this is another one of his his, his boys, his close friends, and, and he's, he's, you know, somebody he loved, and he has to deal with this, that he was beheaded, he was murdered because of him, right? And so Jesus says, let's go, and when they heard what happened, they withdrew to a solitary place. And so he takes his disciples by boat, and he wanted to just withdraw to a place where they can get together, where he can teach, where he can share, where they can rest, where he can grieve, Right? And talk about it and kind of get through these things. Anybody ever had to do that, right? You have to just work some things out sometimes, right? And so what happens is they, he, he, um, they, they, they get to the place where, where the boat gets. But the people, because Jesus had been doing so many miracles, the people followed them. And so as they were on the boat, the people walked along the edges and, and got there. And by the time they got there with the boat, there was thousands of people there waiting. It says there were five thousand men because in that time we only counted the men so that means there could have been 10 15 20 thousand people altogether if you counted men women and children right so this is huge and so when, when they get when they get there the people followed them they filled the place jesus saw the people and the word says that they were like sheep without a shepherd and so the word says jesus had compassion on them he put aside what he's feeling. He put aside their needs and his needs, and he had compassion on them. So Jesus, the word, sees the people that were like sheep without a shepherd, and he becomes the great shepherd. Amen? Remember, Pastor Mark was speaking about it last week, Psalm 23. He says, I am their shepherd, they shall not want. And so at this point, these people are spiritually hungry. They're, they want to hear from Jesus. They see everything he's doing. They're sick. There's some people that have diseases and infirmities, and they want healing. And so they are hungry. And so they, they want to hear from him. They want him to heal them. And so Jesus begins to teach. And he begins to lay hands on the sick. And he's teaching some more. And Jesus does like a four-part sermon series in one day. He's just teaching and teaching and teaching and healing and teaching and healing. And the disciples, it seems like when you read the story, they're getting a little annoyed. But they're saying, all right, Jesus, that is one long sermon. You've been preaching for hours. You've been praying for these people for hours. It's getting late. We are in a remote place. This, and, and so they, they come to Jesus and they tell him, um, gee, it's getting late. Why don't you send these people away so that they could get something to eat? Send them away before it gets too dark so they can find a White Castle or a Wendy's or something. Because, I mean, there's, a five, there's over 15,000, 20,000 people here. Send them away so that they could eat something. And, 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 you know, they say, all right, Sakawa, Jesus, amen, vamos. 
Let's send them away, right? And so Jesus turns to them and he says something to them they didn't expect at all. Jesus turns to them and he says, you feed them. Now you imagine the, the, I would imagine my team if they're next to me and, and there's something crazy like that. And I say, um, no, Stacy, Mark, no, you guys do it. They're like, are, are you for serious? They woke up real quick and they said, and in and, and John it says Jesus was testing them. He says to Philip, he turns to Philip because they said Philip was from that neighborhood and they, from that area. And he says, turns to Philip, where are we going to buy all this bread? He says he was testing them. And, and Philip didn't even ask where. He said, to buy bread for all of these people, it would take eight months wages. And that would be just so that they could have a bite. Eight months salary to buy food for all these people and just so they could have a bite. Listen, family, God will never ask you questions that he doesn't already have the answers to. Just put that in your notes, amen? He'll never ask you questions he doesn't already. So now, remember, because I, I think it's important that we kind of stop here for a second. The disciples seem to have forgotten who they're talking to. The, the, do you get that feeling? They, they seem to have forgotten that Jesus has already shown them all kinds of signs of what he can do and what he's able to do. Understand, if you look by the records, kind of, <clears throat> this is like miracle number 19. So he's already done 18 miracles with them. Everything he did, he did it with them and in front of them. <clears throat> They've already seen him heal a possessed man that they couldn't do in those times. This man was possessed, and Jesus said, Sate! And, and the guy was, oh, okay, good. I'm good, praise God. So, so they heard him speak to demons and have them leave. They've already seen him cleanse a leper. A leper in that time, I mean, a leper is just... He's poisoned. He's done. He, he's rotting away. He's rotting flesh. He had to stay away from people. He's contagious. And they seen Jesus speak to the leper and have him healed. Something they've never seen before. They've already, they, they've already seen Jesus. They've been with Jesus when there was lame people that couldn't walk, that their legs all mangled up, and they've been like that forever. And they've seen Jesus say, get up and walk. And the person just get up and say, "Woo! praise God. Yeah. And so they've seen Jesus do these incredible things. They've already seen him raise the widow's son from the dead at this point. So they've seen him lay over a, a dead kid and the kid wake up coughing. Good to go. They've already seen him calm the sea. They've already seen him uh, do the whole fish miracle where they caught all that fish. You remember that? They, 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 they were out fishing all day and Jesus comes and he talks to them and he tells them, throw the nets on the other side. And they're like, Master, this is what we do. <laughs> you know, we fish. We're fishermen. You don't come tell us how to fish. But because you tell us to do it, we'll do it. And so they threw the nets out on the other side. And when they did, it says that they, they, the nets started to break because there was so much fish in the nets. And, and they had to bring in two other boats because their boats were sinking because there was so much fish. So they've already seen Jesus do all this stuff. Right? They've already, they were at the wedding. All of them were at the wedding with him, chilling when they ran out of wine and he made Jesus juice for everybody. So, so why, so we have to ask, and, and this applies to us, you know, why would God be testing them with something like this? Because they already knew. Amen? Why would God test us sometimes? Because we already know. He's test God will never test you on what you don't know. Isn't that awesome? He's not like college. 
<laughs> He's not like the professor you had that never taught anything and then tested you and expected you to know it. Right? You guys know? I didn't go, so I, you know, but you. I hear that from my wife and my kids, you know. So whenever God tests us on something, we already know. God will never ask you. Here's another thing. God will never ask you to do something that you and him can make, can make happen. Come on, that's good. Get excited. God will never. Some of, you, some of you are right now testing in your minds and you're saying, yeah, but God, the thing that God asked me to do, that's crazy. He don't know what he's asking. He's crazy. He must, think, he must think what? He doesn't know you. He don't know who you are. He doesn't know what you're capable of. Or he doesn't know who he is. Or he doesn't know what he's capable of. You just haven't gotten it yet. Amen? So he's already shown that he's the God of more than enough. Amen? Every one of these disciples could stand up at this point and testify in front of these 5,000 men and, and, and everybody else. They could say, listen, I don't know how he's going to pull this off. They could stand up and testify. I, honestly, I don't know how he's going to pull this off. But this I know. One day we was fishing and we didn't catch a fish. And he said, fish this way. And we fished that way and almost broke all our nets. Every one of them there could stand up and they say, listen, this I don't know how he's going to feed all of you guys, but this I know. I was at a wedding one time. And people was thirsty. See, instead, instead of, of testifying, instead of knowing and standing on what they already know, instead of standing on what they've already seen, instead of walking in faith that God has already taught them, God doesn't ask us to do nothing. He hasn't already shown us. Amen? That's what we really got to get. We struggle and we fall and we do stupid things because we don't remember yesterday. All right, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So instead, they're telling Jesus what to do. They tell him, Jesus, it's time to send the crowd away. Mira, it's time to get the crowd out of here. We can't feed them. We can't afford this. We can't handle this. We ain't got enough. Pause, because we do the same thing, don't we, church? Anybody here guilty? We see God work in our lives, and then when things get tough again, we go back to handling things our way. We see God do some incredible things in our lives, and we, and we testify. We get all happy. We tell people, oh, man, God came through. God is so faithful. God is amazing, but that was that week. Next week, we get hit with a flat tire. All of a sudden, we forgot God. Something that's silly, right? We get hit with some, some bad news at work. Oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what my wall. And we crying to all our friends. We crying on Facebook. Come on, shut up. That gets me angry. That's a pet peeve. But anyway, I won't go there. We, we crying on Facebook to everybody. And, 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 and you're, the, the thing that drives me crazy about that, I have to just drop this. Because you, you're the same people that tell the people in your job that you're Christian. That you're part of the sanctuary, that you go to a church, and that you, you know, God is faithful, God, and you're crying on Facebook, I don't know how I'm going to pay my cell phone bill, I don't know how I'm going to pay the BMW lease, like, <laughs> that's a whole, who told you to get a, anyway. That's a whole nother story, amen? But when we face a crisis in our life, do you remember how God helped you in the past? All right, let's go back to the story. So after they cry and they post and they Twitter and they put everything on Instagram, and they're like, look, look at the Instagram, the Instagram in the crowds, and say, look, he wants us to feed all these people. He's crazy. This dude is local. All their Instagrams, all their Facebooks, are, statuses are getting updated. 
And Jesus turns to them and he goes, okay, okay, um, what do we have? What do we have? And, and they say, man, the, you know, and the only one that steps up is Andrew. Andrew says, well, look, this kid, he just gave us his happy meal. And, and Andrew opens it up and he goes, it looks like there are about five loaves of fish, five loaves of bread and, and two fish in this thing. And, and so it, it appears like Andrew has this burst of faith. He's saying, well, you know, it looks like we got a happy meal and, you know, we got this and we got. But then he kills himself. He says, but what good is this going to do among all of this? He shoots himself in the foot. But what good is this? What good is one rollo? How far, he says, how far will this go among so many? He says, we have five small loaves, two small fish. Church, we do this all the time. I hear this all the time. You guys say it all the time. You, you tweet it all the time. You face, all I have is a little bit of this. All I have is a little all I have is a little time. All I can spare is a little bit of money. All I have is a little talent. All I have is a little hope. All I have is a little prayer. I just have a little gift. I just have a little, man. I'm a mess. I got nothing good. All I got is a little bit. All I got is a little. Listen, as soon as Jesus heard, if you read all four accounts, as soon as Jesus heard they had something to work with, he said, have everybody sit down in groups of 50. As soon as he heard, he said, all I got is a happy meal. Jesus said, okay, have everybody sit down in groups of 50. I can imagine Andrew thought for a minute, wait, I said, I, a happy meal. I have a happy meal. I didn't say there was a truck of happy meals. I said I had a happy meal. Do you hear what you're saying? Let them sit down in groups of 50. That's already too many people for the happy meal. You want groups of 50. You're bugging out. You, know, you understand? You imagine what's thinking in the natural, right? Because I imagine they were like us, right? Knuckleheads like us. And so as soon as he had something, he said, and so he said, no, no, no. But listen to me. Even the people had to have some kind of faith. Because why would the, the people knew? They, they, they see Andrew up there like with his back to them saying, two fish and they little. Look, two. And so the people had to have seen that, right? And all of a sudden, they have to announce, all right, guys, uh, I need you to sit down in groups of 50 to 100, and we're going to sit out, we're going to get ready to eat. People must have been, they're looking for the Walmart truck, they're looking for the Operation Blessing vans, or the, you know, Convoy of Hope, or whatever. There's nothing. There's no camels with big book bags on their back. There's nothing. There's a happy meal with Andrew. And so the, even the people had to have some kind of faith to say, okay, Hey, man, let's wait, right? They got their little sticks sharpened. They're like, I'm ready. Well, what are we going to get? Amen? Amen. So it says Jesus took the loaves, and, and what's awesome, it says that the, the word, the scripture said that there was enough grass for people to sit down. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He causes me to lay down in green pastures. He sets before me a table in the presence of my hand. Hey, come on, man. That's good. Anyway, that's bonus. So Jesus took the loaves. He took the little. He looked up to heaven. He gave thanks. And then he broke them. And he gave them to the disciples to hand out. The miracle happened 
when it was in the master's hand. When you put a little in the master's hand, the miracle takes place. So you have to know where did the miracle happen here? The miracle happened when the little was in Jesus' hands. Amen? See, if we offer nothing to God, he has nothing to work with. But when we offer the little that we have, little becomes much. And that was the cue to throw that up right there. But when we offer the little that we have, little is much. <laughs> little become. But can you imagine the scene for a minute? Can you can you imagine what who I could talk Mackie? Can you imagine the scene? The disciples come up to him. He gives blessing. He breaks it and he gives it to the disciples to go and distribute. Go and feed that whole section over there. Don't try it. I'm not Jesus. So. But, but can you imagine now? He, he goes and he distributes and then he comes back and Jesus is still breaking bread. And Jesus is still, there was only five, but he gave to each, there's 12, anybody really bad with math? There was five loaves, and he keeps breaking and breaking, blessing, thanking God, giving it to the disciples. The disciples keep going out, distributing, and coming back. Can you, can you picture the scene? Can you picture even the disciple? I don't know how you would feel, but I'd be tripping right now if, if, if I keep coming back and there's more bread. And I basketfuls, 12 basketfuls. Is that a coincidence in number? There's 12 disciples. There's 12 tribes of Israel. There's, there's so, much, you know, so much info in there. But, but just to keep it real simple, they came back with a basket for each one of them. Come on, give God some glory. Family, we often limit what God is doing in us by assuming what is and what is not possible. We limit God. We say, God, you can't do this in my life. I'm 40 years old already. God, you can't. I can't go back to school. I'm this and this. I can't start a business at this age. I can't start a business this young. I can't do this this young or that old. And we limit what God is doing by our own assumption of what God is impossible and not possible. Why would God arrange that this miracle be told by all four? We're closing, I promise. Was it the greatest miracle? I guess we can argue that, right? We can go back and forth. Well, somebody's life is a little more. Was it the greatest miracle? I, I don't know. So why the miracle of the Happy Meal multiplication? Could it be? Could it be? Because God really wants us to know that he can take anything we offer him, even our broken, messed up lives, and he can do extraordinary things with the little. Worship team, you guys can come on up. Could it be that God wants us to know that he is the God who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine? That he's the God of more than enough. Could it be that God wants us to understand that in his hands, our little is much. Amen?
Our little is enough. Our little is more than able. Come on, let's stand and be excited for a minute. What can we walk away with today from this? Thank you for asking. Number one, we need to have a surrendered will. And that happened this morning, didn't it? We need to surrender to God. We need, whether we're the disciples that had to walk in that miracle or whether we're the ones that were going to receive the meal and had to sit down in faith and expect that it was going to come out of someplace, we have to have a surrendered will. Number two, we have to give God what we have. You have to give God what you have. In your hands, it may not be much. In your hands, that little that you have might stink. In your hands, it might be garbage. It might be so damaged, so broken, so used, so abused. You say, God can't do nothing with this. But we have to give God what we have. Number three, before God can use us, we have to allow God to break us. This is the part where we struggle a lot. And we want to take our mess back and keep it and say, we'll take care of this. We'll do it on my own. God said, I would just give me what you have. I want to break it. I want to give thanks for it. And I want to multiply it. And I want to do incredible things with the little that you give me. Amen. And number four, we need to learn from our leftovers. No experience that we ever go through, no matter how insignificant it is to us, is insignificant to God. God can use everything that we've been through. So I'm going to ask you today as we close in worship. You probably did this already this morning. We surrendered. There was, we had a tissue shortage this morning. People was crying all over. There was, people were surrendered, and that's amen. I'm not trying to recreate that moment. But if you sat back today, if you held back today during that, if you held back and reserved yourself, if you, if you said, oh, that's for the crazy Pentecostal people, that's not for me. If you pulled back and, 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 and God has been speaking to you today and God has been pressing on you today and, and there's a little that you have to give, I want you to come forth as we worship. I want you to come and bring your little to God. I want you to come and let's bow our heads for a minute. Father, I just ask you to have your way in this place, God. We thank you for your, your word, God which is so amazing, it's so nourishing, it's so filling, God. We thank you, it's so encouraging, God. It's so strengthening, it's so empowering, God. And so, Father, I ask that you would touch the hearts that are here, God. Father, those that you've been speaking to, those that you've been drawing, I pray that even in these closing moments, God, that you would draw them, that they would be able to stand and stand for you, Lord God. That they would be able to say, God, I don't have much to offer today. But the little that I have, your word said, is, is going to be much in your hands. And so, Father, today I bring it to you. If that's you, would you just come join us in the front? Would you leave your seat, leave your friend, leave your wife, your husband, do whatever you have to do, get away. And say, God, I'm just bringing you my little. Come on, let's cheer them on. Let's encourage them. I'm bringing you my little.
I'm bringing you my little. I'm not going to ask the prayer team to pray. I don't want nobody praying for you. I want you to understand this is between you and God. God, I'm putting my little in your hands. I don't need a mediator. I don't need a pastor, somebody in between. God, I need to put my little in your hands. I need to surrender my little to you, God. And I'm trusting and believing that you're going to take that little and it's going to be much in your kingdom, Lord God. So, Father, thank you for those that are come front. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, God, that you would accept the little that we have left. God, so many of us, we've given so much to so many other things. We've given so much away to relationships, to people, to, to, to causes, to, to, to sacrifices. God, we've given so much away to our pleasures, to our lusts. So, God, some of us, we got so little left. Father, I thank you that that little is much in your hands, Lord. So, Father, let it be so as we worship right now, Lord.